The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Oh, my goodness gracious, what a show we have this week. Our guest coming up in the next segment, musician and investor Gideon King's going to be joining us, a music expert, a business expert. Boy, you would think the show was about the entertainment business or something, and he would just be the perfect guest for us to talk to. Looking forward to that. And we just have so many great, powerful, important stories about the entertainment industry and empowering indie creators that we need to talk about. And chances are we're not going to get to any of them because we are going to go off on so many tangents with our co-host this week, Elisa Rockdock. How are you, Elisa? Hey, 15 minutes early with Starbucks. No, um, I'm I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing so, so well. It is a joy to hear from you. We really do have a lot of really important stories to talk about. And you warned me before the show started that if I opened the show with this particular topic that I do want to talk to you about, it would derail the entirety of the show. We wouldn't get to any of my topics. But I need to talk about this with somebody because I'm the only video gamer in my house. And I know that you are playing Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And I need somebody to talk about this with. How cool is this game? I left the depths for this show. (laughs) I crawled from the depths. I ascended from the depths. And, and built a cool little hovercraft and everything. And then I came here to the show. This game. This game. Sir, it's it's bananas because Breath of the Wild was already on my top 10 games of all time list. And then this game said, okay, we're going to give you two more maps. One up on the top, one up on the bottom. Uh, we're going to make this like a, a, a pretty a horror game for me who's 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 afraid of the dark um we're gonna add all of these shrines um all of the korok torture you can stand you can take it all out on those beautiful koroks (laughs) there's weapons i'm i just hit Terrytown. like there's a whole uh, there is so much game there's so much game in this game the building of stuff building stuff Making boats and cars and hovercrafts. And I love the puzzles where, like in the shrines where you have to build stuff. And there's obviously like one way that you're supposed to build it. But the game is flexible enough that you can just like create some other random like piece of crap. And that can sometimes solve the puzzle too, which I appreciate. This is, oh, that counts the game. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. I got enough stamina like, for this. The game. <laughs> this is like this is like the the, the the shrine goes, I guess. Oh you know what? I had not I hadn't considered that, but you you know what? Here you go. Here's 
have have a blessing. You know what? <laughs> Good on you. Was wasn't <laughs> expecting that, but okay, okay. The fact that they that they give us this level of freedom, and then I'm seeing other game developers talk about this. It's the building system that cooperates with the way that the water works and the physics and everything. That no matter what wild thing you try to do, the game isn't breaking under all of the different layers of things you're expecting it to do and even game developers are like you don't understand how hard this is for this not to completely obliterate a game and i think people are going to be studying like game developers conference like industry talks about the development of this game for years it is come. what's amazing it's what it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes in all of entertainment where dolly parton once said uh, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap uh -huh. <laughs> it's the same idea with this in in the sense that like the game looks very simple mm -hmm. and underneath it must be some of the most incredible sophisticated programming to make it look as simple as it does where you can just make anything out of anything and the game still runs completely clean and your nintendo switch doesn't melt trying to do everything you wanted to do and like based based on like the instincts that you have from the way that this game teaches you that the world works you think hmm i wonder if i can do this if this works this way i wonder if it works this way and like 99 of the time the answer is yes <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> it's gonna let you do it's that it's glorious all right, oh. I gotta stop you there. It's all good. It's all good. It's I, all good. I, I'm, I'm putting the guardrails on it because we're not gonna get to anything else if you ah. and I just fall down the of the Tears of the Kingdom rabbit Highly hole. Highly recommend. However, before we move on though, I do want to dedicate our AI Overlord tip of the week oh. to Legend of Zelda. Can we get the imaging for that, please? What? Really? Okay, yeah, it caught me dancing a little bit on the live stream, but uh, that song does make you jam. Yeah, so in honor of our mutual affinity for Tears of the Kingdom, I asked ChatGPT to give us some advice for indie artists this week, um, while also sort of writing a love letter to Legend of Zelda. So oh. without further ado, here we go. It's lovely. Here's our tip of the week. As many of you might know, I'm a huge fan of video games, and I find a surprising amount of wisdom and inspiration in these digital realms. Today, our tip draws from a timeless favorite, The Legend of Zelda. Just like our courageous hero Link, each of us embarks on our own unique hero's journey. We face various obstacles, enemies, and challenges while striving to fulfill our dreams and achieve our goals. Our first tip of the week? Remember your heart containers. In The Legend of Zelda, heart containers increase Link's life energy. They're critical resources that help him survive and continue his adventure, no matter how tough it gets. As an indie creator, your heart containers are your passion, your skills, your creativity, and your resilience. No matter what kind of challenge you face, be it technical glitches, creative blocks, financial hurdles, remember to harness those vital resources. Feed your passion by continuously learning and growing. Sharpen your skills by practicing and experimenting. Fuel your creativity by exposing yourself to diverse sources of inspiration. Our second tip is inspired by the essence of Link's journey. Exploration. Throughout the game, Link embarks on a quest across Hyrule, discovering hidden dungeons, unlocking new items, and unearthing secrets. 
As an indie creator, embrace exploration in your own creative journey. Seek out new concepts, techniques, platforms, and collaborations. Don't be afraid to venture outside your comfort zone, even to those dark caves that scare you, Elisa Rock Doc. For it is in the unknown that we discover and our true potential in creativity. But don't forget your bright bloom seeds. Remember, just as Link, I added that, just as Link's journey isn't always linear, sometimes, well, ChatGPT stops at 2021, so it doesn't know what bright bloom scenes are. Just as Link's journey isn't always linear, sometimes he has to take a step back or venture down an uncharted path to progress. Your creative journey won't always follow a straight line either. It's okay to take detours, to experiment, to explore. That's where the magic happens. That's how you grow and evolve as an artist. That's all for this week's tip, folks. Stay creative, stay inspired, and always keep on creating. I'm I'm going to give it a ding. I'm going <laughs> to give it a ding. Yeah. Because it didn't open with it's dangerous to go into the industry alone. Take this. It didn't even go there. We would have also accepted if the tip opened with, listen. Hey. Hey. Listen. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I should have when asked it. When the blood moon rises. <laughs> when the blood moon rises. We sh I, I should have asked it to give the tip as a, an annoying piece of advice from Navi. Uh, that would have been the uh, only thing that would have made it better so that is uh our, our love letter to tears of the kingdom we might want to okay. do like regular tears of the kingdom updates when when you come I back each so. month yeah i know i'll still be playing it i'm like only five percent into the game and i've been oh, playing no. forever okay because there's and then there's that okay but yeah um but but it's we are eating because we had tears of the kingdom come out then Diablo 4, which Evan and I have been like, he's been like, I, I need to come home. I need to play Diablo because it is so good. It is so much fun. We've got Pikmin coming out next Ooh. month. Um, then we have Starfield coming out. Huge, huge game coming out in September. So like we're we are we are being led along the like most delicious lazy river of video games this year. I love it. I love it. That's marvelous. Yep. And we're going to need all the updates because uh, you are our go-to on this particular subject matter. I do want to get a career update from you, yes. Elise. So that's a, a one of the favorite segments of our fans on this show is just keeping tabs on what you're doing with your career. Before we get to that, though, I, I got to get through at least one piece of entertainment news yeah. this week because it is a pretty important one. And of all the co-hosts that we have on this show that are all really terrific, I'm glad you're here this week. I want to get your unique perspective, both as a musician, as a creator, and as a scholar in the subject matter that is implicated by this case. So uh, from Billboard, we have seemingly reached the end of a nearly decade-long legal drama between the pop star Kesha and music producer Dr. Luke. Recently, the parties announced that they had settled a lawsuit in which Luke accused Kesha of defaming him when she accused him of a rape in 2005. So to understand that case, you have to go back about 10 years from in 2014 when Kesha unsuccessfully sued Dr. Luke to get out of her exclusive recording agreement with his production company and had alleged in that legal complaint that Luke drugged and raped her at that party. Um, and so then that case uh, did not uh, was not successful for Kesha. There was summary judgment motions and a lot of legal procedural stuff. Um, then later on, Dr. Luke sued Kesha for defamation because for, for the allegation that you know he raped her. Um, and the settlement, which just happened uh, earlier this month, 
uh, came after an appeals court held that Dr. Luke was a public figure and thus uh, would have a higher burden of proof uh, to meet his defamation case. So it was a lot of back and forth. This was a decades long process, as you know, Elisa, from just following this news. It led to just pretty much completely derailing Kesha's career. I think you know she only put out one album in that whole period of time. That I think she was working uh, while this lawsuit was going on. And it just, you know, it, it significantly affected the career, uh, careers of everybody involved. And I do want to show the statements that were made, right? So once the settlement was announced, Kesha and Luke uh, put up statements about, uh, you know, where, the, where they stood. This was probably everything about these statements, by the way, scream like this was jointly and heavily negotiated. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of legal wrangling went into these statements. So, um, do, do you want to read them out for us? Or, you know, that because uh, I actually have it on very small print on my screen, and so I'm going to. Oh yeah, it. sure. Um, I have to like get right up on my screen to read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so, um, so in resolution of the lawsuit, both Kesha and Doctor Luke are posting both of these statements on each of their accounts. Right. Um, so Kesha's statement says. Only God knows what happened that night. As I've always said, I cannot recount everything that happened. I'm looking forward to closing the door on this chapter of my life and beginning a new one. I wish nothing but peace to all parties involved. That's Kesha. And then Dr. Luke's statement. While I appreciate Kesha again acknowledging that she cannot recount what happened that night in 2005, I am absolutely certain that nothing happened. I never drugged or assaulted her and would never do that to anyone. For the sake of my family, I have vigorously fought to clear my name for nearly 10 years. It is time for me to put this difficult matter behind me and move on with my life. I wish Kesha well. So everything about those statements, those look heavily lawyered, we can say. And I'm guessing that the only and obviously both sides had to sign off on each other's statements. And reading between the lines here, it was pretty clear that Luke was only going to allow a form of statement from Kesha in which she did not definitively say this is what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think as, as far as, uh, you know, he would let the statement go from her was, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure. And that's, mm-hmm. and then, and he, you know, vociferously denied it in his statement. And that was what was negotiated to basically end this whole drama. And I think the only, you know, there, there are no winners in this, this, this sucks for, uh, so many reasons. And I don't, you know, I, I could not definitively tell you what happened or, you know, the only two people who would have an idea of what happened are the two litigants. And so the only perspective that I want to offer in a case like this, and it's the same perspective that I've been, you know, standing on my soapbox about for 10 years is this. If you find this whole saga frustrating and annoying and hurtful and, and triggering and all of the other negative things that this whole situation is. Um, one place that I want you to look to for blame, and there are obviously many things about this that are terrible, but I look at this through the prism of an entertainment lawyer who fights for indie creators. And so one of the places that I think was problematic in all of this, and often and perhaps was the impetus to a lot of this, was the exclusive recording agreement. Mm. So... A lot of so we don't know what happened in that case, but what we can all say with some amount of certainty is that the relationship between Kesha and Luke at some point became toxic, became a situation where these two people should not be working together anymore. And 
Unfortunately, they had a legal, the only legal relationship to each other that I can think of that does not let two people who don't want to work together work, you know, stop working together Mm -hmm. anymore. And because an exclusive recording agreement says, Kesha, you can work with me and only me. Any music you make as a recording artist has to be produced by me, has to be released by me through the label that I negotiate. So you can either work with me or you are done in show business. And so if the relationship gets toxic, there's no way for these two to stop working together. Now, contrast that with pretty much every other legal relationship where these two people could have existed, right? Like, let's say Dr. Luke was an employer and Kesha was an employee. The law provides a mechanism for them to stop working together. Kesha can fire her. Or sorry, Dr. Luke can fire her. Kesha can quit. Let's say Kesha and Dr. Luke were business partners who ran a company together. The law provides a mechanism for that relationship to end when things get toxic. The you know Every state's corporate law has a long, drawn-out procedure for how you wind up a corporation and everyone goes their separate ways. You know what doesn't have that? Exclusive recording agreements Ugh. where... If the relationship gets toxic, tough. You have to work with this person you don't want to work with who might be an abuser or you don't work anymore and you're in breach of contract. Like if So if you don't like how this turned out, lay some of your blame to the legal mechanism that allows it to exist. And for the other indie creators out there that are listening to this, give your own thought to whether or not you would want to embark in an agreement that would force you to work with somebody that you might not want to work with anymore because things might get toxic and you might get stuck in the deal anyway. Like power dynamics in the music industry are awful enough, especially for women, especially on down the line through every possible prism of intersectionality you can think of. And then the legal system um, decides to throw a helping hand um, to the sort of hegemonic, generalized, abusive kind of power that that still tends to run the music industry as a whole. And I cannot even imagine something as powerful as as music, your own kind of like cathartic art, and then you have to be forced to make it with this person or else you cannot have success with your art. It is absolutely unconscionable and i'm and 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 hey legal beagle how is this allowed <laughs> even under the best of circumstances like, like as a music fan all right what frustrates me about an exclusive recording agreement whether it's an exclusive record deal or one of these kind of production deals where an artist has a deal with a production company or a producer like kesha had with luke here um what ultimately makes these deals frustrating as a music fan is that even if the whole arrangement goes perfectly well, right? Even if these two people work together like just peanut butter and chocolate, just everything is firing on all cylinders, it still sucks for music fans because you still don't get as much art mm. as you would have otherwise gotten had the agreement been non-exclusive because she can only work with this producer. Dr. Luke can work with other people, right? Dr. Luke oh, can work right. with all the artists that Dr. Luke wants to work with. Kesha gets one producer to work with. And so if she vibes with another producer and thinks she can make something great with them, she's not allowed to work with them. And so think of all the other art that Kesha could have made during this time had she not been in an exclusive relationship. Even if the relationship was going really, really well with Luke, she still would have been able to make more work and collaborate more with the creator 
in a non-exclusive recording relationship. And in today's industry, where uh, collaboration, working with others, you know, cross-pollinating with other creators is sort of the the essence of what we're encouraging people to do on this program on a weekly basis. The idea of only getting to work with one producer or one record company, so antiquated. I have the option to divorce my co-writer. <laughs> isn't that isn't that wild you know in itself? I mean? In America, it is easier to get out of a marriage than it is to get out of an exclusive recording agreement. Like, we have all these laws about how divorce happens. This is a really good question from the chat. H2O Happy Dude asks, what about saving your music and or content until the contract expires? I don't think they have that kind of option. You can't just sit on stuff. That is an excellent question, H2O Happy Dude. And the reason, because you'd think that makes a lot of sense, but the reason why that doesn't work is that most exclusive recording agreements are not based on a time limit. You can't run out the clock. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's based on a number of albums. Three-album mm -hmm. deal, five-album deal. And the problem with that is who decides when you release an album? The label or the producer. So mm -hmm. if you want to keep an artist stuck in a deal forever, just don't make oh. any albums with them. And they can't make any albums with anybody else. And so they're just done in the music business. You know, I mean... And in, in California, they, they try to address this a little bit by saying that a personal service contract, such as a record deal, has a seven-year time limit. Hmm. And I think Kesha tried to use that a little bit in one of the cases, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But there are so many problems with that California rule with respect to record deals. We've talked about that on previous shows, that it doesn't really work. But yeah, you can't run out the clock on a bad record deal because there is no clock it's based on the number of albums you make and ultimately the person with whom you have that exclusive relationship is controlling when the albums get made yeah and and it's it is like thinking about kesha and dr luke these are two incredibly high profile folks imagine all of the keshas out there that maybe don't necessarily get this shot in court and have the resources to be able to take folks to court and get out of these situations. And it is so easy. Um, I, like I'm looking back when I was like 15, 16 years old and trying to shop my stuff to record executives and how lascivious um, some of the looks that I would get were. And, you know, even music industry, gaming industry, same thing. Um, and the idea of being a young artist and trying to get your music out there and having that hope, it is so difficult to imagine anyone at any age with that kind of dream not accepting something that could take them so far without realizing the wild power dynamic inherent in it. And it's, it's a cautionary tale for sure. Not just to sort of like read read your contracts and and um, but have have your circle um, strong and have a really good support system that that can help you navigate these still shark infested waters because for for every Kesha that can get a settlement there are probably hundreds thousands of others going through similar experiences that don't get this kind of relief and it's so upsetting to think that relative to what other artists might be going through in this space, because Kesha's not the only story like this, she's just the one that we're hearing right now because of how famous she is, that she's the happy ending here. 
Yeah. That, you know, like she's the best case scenario in this toxic relationship where, you know, her career is significantly derailed. It's, you know, it's going to be adversely affected in ways that, you know, are probably impossible to calculate the amount of art that she art and opportunities to create that she's lost, the amount of money that she's lost, the amount of acclaim that she has lost and just the physical and psychological trauma that she went to. And she's the she's the best case scenario yeah. for this is a, you know, is a deeply troubling thought. And you speak of the notion of, you know, get a lawyer, get people to protect you. Don't walk into these deals. Um, and I'm telling you, as a lawyer who looks at these record deals all the time and wrote a whole book about why exclusive recording agreements suck. Um, even I'm telling you that, you know, you, the, the best entertainment lawyer in the world isn't going to make a bad record deal a good record deal. Mm. Because as long as the word exclusive is in that record deal, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the terms are. As long as there is a, a clause in there that says you can create with me and only me, that is inherently a crappy legal document, no matter how well a lawyer works their legal alchemy to make the rest of the contract better. That's why I've always said in my, God, how long have I been doing this now? More than 10 years of practice. That's a scary thought. Um, I have yet to meet an exclusive recording agreement that I would ever advise a client to sign. I've read terrible ones. I've read relatively good ones by like the standards of this terrible industry. And I've never met one that I would say to a client, yeah, that's a good idea to sign that. And there are many reasons why. Top of the list, because the word exclusive is in it. It's, it is, it's wild, but it's um, like when, when you got those stars in your eyes, it's, yeah. it's hard. And then of course, if, you know, Dr. Luke is a huge producer, right? Yeah. And so depending on who it is that maybe you, get to work with to create your music that you know that could be I'm like oh well this isn't gonna go bad sure i'd love to work with you forever that doesn't matter i'm sure yeah. maybe, you know maybe maybe sometimes you think like oh this is something that can be revisited later or something because it's i am the kind of person who definitely you know trying to draw those boundaries a lot better now thank you therapy um <laughs> But when when you're trying to do something, it is so easy to look at a contract and be like, oh, but that'll be fine. Oh, that won't that that won't apply to me. That's just like that's like a boilerplate thing. And like we we have like a good relationship. It's so easy to gloss over things because you want it to work. You want everything to succeed. But and you they'll gotta, tell you. Mm. Yeah. And they'll tell you every tactic in the book, right? So many of these really bad producer deals always, ha it's always like a two page document, right? And it always says, it always says, this is just the short form document. <laughs> the parties intend to, dr to draft a longer agreement. And you know what? The longer agreement never comes. What happens is they give the artist the short form agreement and you go, hey, this looks pretty bad. And my uncle, who's a lawyer, says it's pretty bad too. And the producer always says, Look, don't worry about it. Look, we just need to get this thing signed so we can get started. And then when we have more time, you and I, we're going to sit down and really bang this contract out and make it fair and, and put everything that you need to have in there. But we just need this signed so that we have it in the drawer. We're never going to look at it again. Don't worry. And, uh, you know, and then that, of course, that two page agreement winds up being the only agreement and it's a terrible agreement and it ruins lives. And 
you know, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you were co-hosting when I had told this story, but I've actually been, I was actually in a restaurant in Aventura, um, sitting across this, um, it's like a, a hip hop artist, you know, this young woman who was audibly sobbing across the table from me in this crowded restaurant, um, because she was telling me the story about how she was stuck in this producer deal with this like acclaimed hip hop producer and she couldn't get out. Meanwhile, everybody in this restaurant's like, who is this a-hole who's breaking up with this beautiful person? You know, like, what is this jerk doing? Damn. Breaking up with her in a crowded restaurant? And no, she was just trying to like, I had met her because somebody asked me to talk to her about her contract and it was just a terrible contract. Here's the other thing about these producer deals that suck since we're kind of on this tangent now well. is... The, the main difference between the exclusive recording agreement, like the traditional major label record deal and the, you know, producer deal um, is not the fact that they're both, you know, because they're both exclusive, right? They're both, you know, the label deal says you can work with me and only me as a label. The producer deal says you, you can work with me and only me as a producer. But the big difference is the major label deal, at least that usually comes with a big advance, right? If you know, I mean, sometimes not, not so much in modern days, but yeah. at least traditionally, right. There's like a, yeah. a five or a six figure advance. So it's like, yeah, you can work with us, but at least here's a really nice engagement ring that yeah. we're going to give you yeah. in the form of like a six figure advance. The producer deal never comes with the advance. If it does, it's a small advance because it's just, look, you're, I'm locking you up and you're not getting anything in exchange for me, except for the privilege of working with me producer. Uh, if I decide I want to work with you, because I might decide a few months in um, that I don't want to work with you anymore. And then I'm just going to keep you stuck in this deal, which happens a lot, right? Like you sign, you know, producer signs artists to like three album, four album deal makes one song with them, puts it out on SoundCloud. If nobody bites, if a major label isn't interested, if there's no traction, they're done. They're off to the next artist. Meanwhile, you're still stuck in that exclusive deal with a producer that doesn't want to work with you anymore. It's like when you're begging someone to treat you like HBO Max treats its creative properties. That's a bad <laughs> sign because at least like, you know, cut me loose. So let me oh, you know, maybe man. shop the show around somewhere else. You can't even do that. Man, that's rough. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Did you know that HBO Max is Max now? Oh, yes, because because the good people at Max said, you know, what's not a really valuable brand that people respect HBO. We need to get rid of that because God knows, like nobody equates HBO with high quality, respectable programming. Uh, we just need to drop that brand and all of its toxicity right now. The the brand of succession and the <laughs> Sopranos. I was going to say Succession you know, was a documentary. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> and, and, and like, God, we should have had you on the show last week, at least. And we were talking with a uh, film and TV lawyer, Joshua Lasting about just how all of these streaming services are just, you know, dumping perfectly good pieces of programming, not just not making them anymore, but actually pulling them off of the service it's for tax write offs. Yeah. They just did it with Star Trek Prodigy with a uh, Paramount Plus. That is know? a whole discussion about media preservation and how much we are letting just evaporate and and we are we are we are losing recipes. I was gonna <laughs> say that we're losing recipes, joke. I had it in the chamber. Damn it. 
All right. Anyway. Let's take a quick break. Then we're going to talk with our amazing guest, Gideon King. It's going to be a blast. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Carelli here with Elisa Rockdoc. Wherever you're checking us out, whether it's on streaming services such as Twitch or Facebook Live or YouTube, or whether it's podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, what have you, or on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio, wherever you are enjoying this program, we are glad that you are doing so, and we thank you in advance for telling a friend. Elisa, speaking of Slam Radio, oh. I need to tell you about my my fiendish plan that I would like to have you as an accomplice in. Uh, so slam radio has really the flagship program of the radio station not us if you can believe it oh is uh their morning show good morning amigo hosted by the legendary sports radio icon larry the amigo million who in addition to hosting that show runs the slam radio program and all the terrific uh, high schoolers that help make that network happen and so it's summer vacation, right? And Larry's still hosting the show, but I would imagine he wants to, you know, take some time off here and there in the summer. And I've been angling, Elisa, to try to guest host <gasps> an episode of Good Morning Amigo. I don't think, I don't know if I have the ability to get through like a four hour sports talk radio show. I think I would run out of sports takes like 90 minutes in, but I've secretly always wanted to host a sports radio show. And I feel like if I'm going to do this, like I need you involved to like help make this happen, to make this takeover a success. Can I be your Stugats? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can be my Stugats. Yay. And like, I would just Absolutely. be calling every sports person I know, like maybe we get our, our, our old break the business guest, Mike Ryan Ruiz to pop yeah. in. Cause 
you know, four hours is a long time. That is a lot of show. That's a lot of show lot of to show. get through. Even with even with commercials, that's a lot. Especially and, during the summer now, because yeah, we're gonna talk about baseball. <laughs> Marlins are pretty good, actually. All right. So anyway, <laughs> keep that. They're, they're playing good baseball. I don't know what to tell you. It um, is a. It is not even a, a soft yes. It is a hard seat. Yes. Oh, no. I know there's a sports talk radio host in there, Elisa Rock Talk. You've always been somebody I can talk uh, sports with. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. For sure. Without a doubt. You definitely play in that time zone. Yeah. All right. So keep that keep that going around the noggin. At some point, maybe July or August, I might be calling you into service for that particular project. Yeah. Um, speaking of people, we got a call into service right now. Let's go ahead and bring out our guest this week. He is a New York-based indie artist and finance CEO who the Huffington Post once called a musical genius playing some of the most complex and satisfying music you may ever hear. They're, the new EP of his band, Gideon King and City blog, titled Splinters, is coming out later this year. And you can find out more about our guest work by visiting www.gideonkingcityblog.com. We are happy to welcome Gideon King on to Break the Business. Hello, Gideon. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you guys? Uh, doing a lot Ooh. better now that we have been able to gaze upon that magnificent guitar I'm, in front of you. The inlay is beautiful. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, this is my hedge. If I have nothing interesting to say, I say nothing and I just I just go like this. And then and then the show is a smack and confess. <laughs> He's setting a great scene for us, Elisa, right? Between the, the mm. guitar, like the black rocker t-shirt, the sunglasses. Oh, well, listen, my laptop broke, okay? I'm supposed to have a laptop and a mic. All I have is my iPhone, so we're, um, we're uh, this is shabby chic. I mean, great little, I've always said, great little camera and mic on those iPhones. Like, in a pinch, they will not let you down. You look a thousand times cooler than any finance CEO I've ever met. Let me just get that out there right now. I like it. I like the way the show's going so far. Cool. Oh, thank you very much. We're we're hanging in there. Um, so in addition to the music stuff and the finance stuff, I think you're also our first woodworking expert that we've had on the show. And since I I I, I love me some Ron Swanson, I think I want to start there. The most unusual thing you've ever built out of wood, Gideon. Ooh. Oh. Um, well, I built a table out of book matched cherry wood with my wife's name inlaid with a really cool African wood called Wenge wood in Chinese characters. And so I, I came, I, I sort of approximated what Diane would look like in Chinese characters um, and then inlaid that. And it took me, man, it took me months and months and months and it's pretty good. If you look really, really closely, parts of it are royally fucked up, but it's generally pretty good. That's hey, part of the experience, though. I was going to say, wait, case in point, if wait, he wanted allowed, to, he would. Wait, am I, allowed, am I allowed to swear? Because you said a-hole before. So I, if daddy does it, then the son does it, too. I, I don't know. Am I allowed to say bad stuff or no? So, all right. L let me give you the, the lay of the land here, all right? <laughs> Podcasting world doesn't care. Live streaming <laughs> world doesn't care. And Sirius XM generally allows swearing. However... The folks that operate Slam Radio are high school students. And so we try to, most of the time, be on the right side of the seven words you can't say on TV. 
So, you know, try not to create as much editing work for those poor high school students <laughs> okay. on the back end if you can. I want to I want to humbly apologize to the entire staff and crew for um, for my language. So, let's start there. A heartfelt you know, a heartfelt apology, you know. <laughs> um no worries. Um gosh, I just think of like how much I think it can be a drag to like come up with a paragraph to write on a Valentine's Day Hallmark card. Yeah. And our man Gideon King is writing mm-hmm. like is carving stuff, like Chinese characters move, into African wood. Your move, Ryan. Yeah. So the music and finance piece. Yeah. You know, these are these are two, you know, I don't remember seeing a lot of uh, folks in the uh, school rock band in our high school that Elisa and I went to talking about like the present value of an annuity. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, do these two fields that you're that you've achieved uh, success in, do they go together or are these just kind of like opposite sides of you, like a Jekyll and Hyde thing? Oh, man. I mean, they actually are shockingly similar in that in a few ways, A, you have to weed out the sleaze. Mm. Um, and, and weeding out the sleep, no offense all to our brethren and, 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 and friends and, and the music business. But when I sort of retired substantially from wall street, I thought I was going into a more spiritual realm of musicians, but you know, in terms of the sleaze factor, um, you know, and, and, and managers and, and attorneys, I apologize. Um, my, bro- by the way, my brother, my brother's like an IP attorney. So like I have cover to say to insult you in any way humanly possible, but, um, but, like, like, but, but, but the, but the, but the sleeves, the sleeves factor, um, and weeding out the sleeves and getting to good people, um, is one common denominator. And then persistence, you know, when I built my business, I started out of something called an arbitrage. I don't know if you remember, you remember the movie wall street, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Gordon Gecko was like this hyperbolic version of an insider trading, narcissistic, maniacal risk arbitrager. But actually, risk arbitrage is this gorgeous mathematical business with all these fascinating, amazing constructs. And so I was trained as a risk arbitrager by a really smart guy who um, took me in uh, with open arms and and taught me. um, And so um, persistence a real respect for the mathematics behind the spirit. I mean, you know, you can, there's your chord, there's an A minor nine, there's a, a G minor nine, but there's math there. There's a, there's a one, there's a three, there's a, there's a seven, there's a flat third, flat seven and a nine. And, you know, just as you have to learn crazy things like volatility analysis and binomial models and corporate finance uh, in, in business, if you want to be any good and not full of baloney, notice how I said full of baloney, not full much appreciated right and for deep respect for the younger generation so 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 um so yeah just as you have to learn all those corporate finance mathematical constructs it's good if you're a musician although fadingly so because of computers and ableton and the ability just to plug in and make any piece of crap you, you know possible but it's it's good to know the basics and know and know the math behind the music and that's like if you ask me, which I don't know that you will, but if you were to ask me, um, and if I were to hijack your show and do your job and my job, um, and you said, what do you love about music? I would say it's really the intersection of, of math and constructs and spirit. And sometimes it's hard to tell whether knowledge bows to spirit or spirit bows to knowledge. 
But man, that's what makes it so cool, you know, for me. Now that I've gone on a, on a tangent, you know, selfishly and destroyed destroyed the ambiance. It is You're the great. Guest. It's great. It's great perspective. We love it. And Elisa, I don't want to give short shrift to something that he said in the beginning. Where did I hear him correctly, Elisa? Where he implied that the sleaze of the music industry <laughs> made work, him long for the <laughs> sleaze of Wall Street and corporate finance. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, like the world of music, although you were obviously talking about contracts and the danger of exclusivity and, and, and so on before, at least exclusivity in that world, not like in M&A, but, but like... You, you know, the thing is, is Wall Street is governed by contracts. And when people buy shares, there's sort of this intermediate clearing agency that guarantees that the buyer and seller do what they're supposed to do. Whereas like when someone comes up to you after a show and says, I love your music and you remind me of this and that, and let me get you together with this person and that person, the odds of that actually like happening um, and not just being a bunch of like verbal kind of like white noise, like, you know, it's like less than 50-50. So promises in the music industry may be even more weightless than promises on Wall Street. Don't get me wrong. Wall Street has some bad people on it and it has some great people and same with music. I mean, human beings, right? Like flawed, flawed misfiring circuits, right? So like that's uh, that's life. Flawed misfiring circuits. And Lisa, you look like you have about a thousand questions for Gideon. I don't want to monopolize. No, all no. Of um, mine one one of the one of the things that that I noted um when I when I saw some of your kind of like awesome promo materials and everything is one of the promo stills I saw wasn't just you, it was you with a whole group. Um and I was wondering how the music shakes out and kind of what your process is kind of writing, performing, arranging with the group. What's, what's that whole vibe? Oh, Lauren, can we put that so, band photo up by the yeah. way? I just love it. So, I love a big I, band. I look, at, I look at music, like sort of like going to play pickup basketball. You know, I'm a huge basketball fan and a mediocre basketball player, but I've played a lot of pickup basketball and like, you know, you get to the basketball court, you look around, you look sort of say like, who looks like the best athlete I want? I want that person, that person, because then you think you can stay on the court for a while and not get kicked off. And so I view finding the best musical athletes as like the key to staying on the court. And what I mean by that, it, really that spirit was, was, was inspired, that bent, if you want to put it that way, was inspired by Steely Dan because you know because Donald Fagan and, and and Walter Becker really a lot of musicians say oh I don't have a favorite band I'm too eclectic and brilliant and wonderful to have a favorite band but I have a favorite band it's it's Steely Dan okay and so so they looked around the world and said like we're okay musicians and we can write decent songs but if we get Jeff Porcaro and Wayne Shorter and Steve Kahn and Michael McDonald and like let's name 90 of them we could we could drum up something really really different and really special and that's 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 how i feel i feel that i bring songs you asked about what the process is <laughs> sort of jumping around but you asked what the process is i write songs and i write chords and they are influenced by jazz and neil young and classical music and i don't even know what they're inspired by but a lot of things but when i bring them into the studio with all these wonderful jazz musicians who are so harmonically capable and are such great musical athletes, man, 
it just, it just, you know, I'm not a musical genius. I'm not Stevie Wonder. I can't do it all by myself. Um, and, and so it just heightens the music. And if you're friends with these people and if the environment is egoless enough, like wall street, by the way, drawing another parallel where people criticize each other pretty hard around the table. And mm -hmm. if, you know, if, if you're, if your feelings are going to be perpetually hurt and you come into work every morning, pre indignant, you're going to get your ass kicked out. Um, so that's how I feel about the musical process. Come in, take criticism, take your lumps. Don't think that your idea needs to be implemented. Don't think it's the best one. And so these are just wonderful people in my band who give criticism and they give it, they, 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 they send it out in volume, they take it well. And so when I bring a decent song with some, something interesting lyrically or harmonically, man, it really takes flight because these are just really, really special musical athletes just to belabor that, the pickup basketball, you know, analogy. Gideon, you, I'm... Wait, does that answer your question though, Lisa? No, ab no ab absolutely. That's great. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they, I mean, I can attest to them being great musical athletes mm -hmm. because the music is terrific, Gideon. And I'm <laughs> sure they're excellent. I'm sure they're professionals, but it is an eight piece band. That is a lot of egos to manage. That is a lot of personalities in one room. There has to be conflict. How do you, because like most of the musicians that we have on this show or that I work with in my legal practice, maybe they get to like a four piece band. How do you manage eight musicians that are all excellent? So you there has what? to be egos there. You know what? Um, I mean, I really, really try and create an environment of controlled chaos where everyone is willing to try things out, be contradicted, and still laugh and smile. And it is, you know, we are now in a world where, like, we spend so much time in society trying not to hurt anybody's feelings that we're becoming these kinds of, like, empty snowflakes. And so, like... I really try to foster an environment where like there is so much respect that I have for my drummer, so much respect for my piano player who is an accomplished jazz piano player can play his ass off and pop is a, is, is, is a great classical arranger. So and so that like, I think after weeding out some members of the band, we've gotten to a place where we come in and we laugh at mistakes and we change things. And sure. Sometimes it's frustrating, but that is like literally rule number one. It's like literally more important than, than, than the triads in music and more important than the lyrics and more important than, than anything, which is just literally come to have fun. This is just a song. Mm. We're literally just writing a song. We're not attempting to figure out the genomic sequence to cure breast cancer. You know, like <laughs> right. this, is just, this is just a song. So like, let's get together and let's have fun. And yeah, you know what? Every once in a while it gets a little, what's the right word? Um, uh, it becomes a little more negatively charged than one would want. But you know what? I love these, these, these folks and, and, and I hope they love me because we're making cool stuff. And uh, it's literally the core concept is to egolessly participate in, in the process. Well, for the live streaming audience our producer lauren put up a picture of the gideon king and city blog band 
this is just an amazing looking band. Uh, these, these, they all seem like people I would just want to hang out with. And just from making snap judgments on appearances alone, I think uh, Elise and I were both saying before the show, the, the guy who's second from the right, he looks like he has lived and his riz, as the kids would say, <laughs> off the charts. Okay, like, so, so the man's so, got stories. So I don't know if you're cheating or not. Okay. Um, I can't tell if you're cheating. Um, you might be disbarred, so I doubt you are. Um, but <laughs> oh like, but, but like, yes, he's lived a lot. That's yes, he has. He has lived a lot, and he's one of the members of the band. There's another guy who subs for him named Michael Mayo, who's amazing, toured with Herbie Hancock, who's like got one of these blessed bell-like voices. Caleb is more of like a um, a Tom Waits raspy kind of singer. And without outing my good friend Caleb, who I love very much and who I think is a absolutely quite literally one of the best. I will send you two vocals by him after this show. And if you don't say those are two of the best vocals I've ever heard, then I will buy you both dinner at your favorite restaurants because he's 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 amazing. Um, but you are right. <laughs> he has. He has definitely lived a lot, and I think we should leave it at that for sure. <laughs> you can find out more about our guest work by visiting www.gideoncingcityblog.com. You got to check out this music that made uh, the Huffington Post say what I think is like the nicest thing that any publication has ever said about a musician ever. Um, so um, um, do I have this right? The new EP is coming out later this year. Do we have a date nailed down? What's going on? Yeah, with yeah. That? So the, the new EP has five songs, right? Because nobody makes full albums anymore, which is super sad. Um, but but it has five tunes on it. Uh, two have been released. Splinters is the first one, which is sort of like a, I don't know, a cross between, I love Splinters. Um, I, I'm proud of that because it reflects all my love of Pat Metheny and so many great musicians. And there's just some cool vocal ranges. So Splinters came out. Turn Off the Sky came out, um, which Caleb, the guy who's lived a lot, um, is, uh, is, is singing on, and he does a killer job on that. And then there's three more songs coming out. Actually, one of the songs is a cover of one of my favorite Keen songs, um, which is Somewhere Only We Know, which is such a cool song. Oh, yeah, oh and, I yeah, love that weird. song. Yeah, yeah. So that's coming out. I don't know when the hell it's coming. It's coming out in the next number of weeks, and... Uh, you know, it'll get on Spotify and, uh, you know, we'll be world famous packing arenas like Coldplay and uh, Taylor Swift. Somewhere only we know my millennial heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, great song. oh my God. It's absolutely fabulous. All right. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm really excited to check out this EP and uh, particularly that cover, but all of them, because that's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, again, there's music available now, folks. Check it out at Gideon King city uh, a couple more questions for you before we uh, wrap up. So we got our final question. We'll get to that one. But before that, um, do you have any other lessons that you've learned in business that mm. you think would be valuable for our independent creative professionals to hear? You know, we're, they all yeah. want to become better businesses in their own right. They're all running their own entertainment businesses. Do you have any business advice for them uh, as, as a financier turned musician? Yeah, I have a few thoughts. I'm not sure why anyone should listen to me, but if they if they choose to listen to me, I would say one, learn things and and know the basics. Two, um, I would say you got you, you you do have to deliver, 
if you call yourself a songwriter, you need to write songs and create music. You have to have a catalog of music to perform live, to sync, to do whatever. And there are just so many young artists like me who say, well, I'm a songwriter. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, show me your catalog. And it's like, you know, it's like two songs in the last four years, you know? And, and that is just, um, that's not getting it done. So whatever you do, notwithstanding the hideous, awful distractions of social media um, and the brutal distractions of life and the extent to which we all get in our own way, you've got to, if you, are a, if you are a cabinet maker, make some cabinets. If you are a podcaster, have some episodes. Um, and if you are a songwriter, you know, you know, be a songwriter. The other thing I would say is, Learn something about the world. Um, mm. Musicians and creative people sometimes think that the endeavor that they're engaged in is so important that they don't really learn about the rest of the world. That is what is so cool about my piano player. He's always calling, I get his weird text to in the morning. Oh dude, I was just wondering about inflation and you know, what does the legal concept of champerty mean and blah, 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 what is all this? And I'm like, you know, answering these questions at three in the morning, I'm thinking this guy is so excellent. He's so curious about so many things. And I find that like the coolest and most successful musicians, they're smart, read stuff, ask questions, go beyond, you know, and, and, and realize that there's a world out there and, and learn about IP and learn about podcasts and what the right mic is to have and, and so on. And so one of the things that sucks about modern society today is there, there's no like Ben Franklin's, you know, it's like we have these, like everybody's such a specialist, mm. you know, like, like the best tennis players played from the time they were seven, the prodigy guitar player were like, they've only done that. And like, I think maybe to become a holistic artist or a holistic business person, it would be cool to just expand your horizons in general and be, and be, really curious about a lot of different things, no matter what, even if it's just how a pizza place runs or how, um, you know, how, you know, the difference between stainless steel frets and, and plain metal frets, you've got to just keep learning stuff. Don't, don't shut down and think that you're so important in this little self-involved endeavor of creating things that somehow it's at the exclusion of becoming a round human being because you know what people like Bono, Donald Fagan from Steely Dan, these are round people intellectually. Like they're, they're, they're really, in, they're like intelligent. If you hear Robert Plant talk, he's pretty smart actually. If you listen to Jacob Collier talk, he's pretty oh, smart. Um, he, he's, he's an intelligent, well-spoken guy who obviously values the spoken you know, language. I guess I'm rambling, but it would be nice to just be well-rounded and not just be this organism that's sort of festering around a musical instrument or the idea that you're an artist, if you know what I mean. Plus social media, man, I don't know. It's just like, I'm on it, I hate it, I suck at it, but it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like end of days psychologically, you know? Well, my last question was going to be, do you have any tips to be more effective on social media? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> this is, oh, so the last yeah. question I ask every guest, you kind of already did, but let's see if we can get one more tip out of you. Yeah. In closing, uh, Gideon King, do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah. Um, 
make sure, make damn sure that you understand your position and your place in the universe. Mm. There are asses that you're going to need to kiss. Kiss them, not obsequiously, not as some kind of disgusting sycophant, but you have to plead, as Bob Dylan said, right? You have to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. Serve your manager. If your manager says more content, more posts, more this and that, do it. Um, if you don't like how cold the water is on the tour bus, don't complain. Drink the water, whatever temperature it is. You have to serve other people to be successful. It's painful and it hurts. And you may go to bed every night cursing their name and like, you know, stabbing your boss, a, a doll with your boss's date on it. But, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta put your time in um, to, to be successful at anything and be willing to build it brick by brick and do not be a prima donna. I don't know if anybody uses that expression anymore. It might be politically incorrect. I may have just gotten canceled, but like, but, but if, 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 if that expression is still allowed, don't be one, don't be a baby, work hard, take criticism, write songs, get it done, you know, do stuff. And if you have to get a job and then write songs at night, do it. Our guest work. has been, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Work, work, work. Yeah. Our guest has been indie artist and finance CEO Gideon King of Gideon King and city blog. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting Gideon King city Gideon. This has been an absolute treat. We, we want to hear more stories. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear more from you. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Uh, keep us posted on the EP. And I appreciate, I appreciate all the energy you guys bring. I've been on, I've been on podcasts before and uh, you guys bring, you guys bring the energy and that's, that's key because there are some podcasts that do not bring the energy. So there's my, there's my compliment. There it is. Let's finish on that. We How much do I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send, send me a hundred dollars. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we will take it. Our guest, our, our thanks, I should say, to Gideon King, our thanks to producer Lauren, and to you, Elisa Rockdock. And thanks to all you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We will see you next week.